Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to say a phrase, and uh, I'm going to ask you what you think about it. And any time that I ask a question, um, it's usually internal, unless I make it very explicit. So if I ever say anything, you know, you don't have to shout anything out, because it'd be embarrassing, because you might be the only one that shouts something out. <clears throat> so when you hear the phrase, God sees everything, what do you think? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, maybe you don't think about it at all, um, or perhaps I've just created a large amount of anxiety in you right now. He's like, what is he going to talk about? Like, oh my gosh, like I knew I shouldn't. If whatever last night, you know, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and if that's a conviction that you're having right now, that's the Holy Spirit, and just listen to uh, him and, and, and move on. Because um, the truth is that God does see everything, Um, which makes it very important or very easy for us to stop trying to pretend or hide things from him directly, which we do, which is hilarious that we would willingly do things and then like, oh, you know, like he didn't see that, like he was looking the other way, like you throw a rock over there and you're like, yeah, you know, it it doesn't work like that. He's aware And the truth is that he doesn't just see the outward things that you do. Um, He sees through every thought and action that comes into your heart and out of your mouth and things that you do. He sees not just the outward action, but the why behind that action, which should bring even more uh, fear and trembling. Yeah, that I wrote in here, that just got a little bit more scary. See, God wants to invade our hearts and minds so that he can work from the inside out. Um, uh, The religious um, thing that most of us, if you grew up in the South or around church, um, it's real easy to kind of make this equation that I need to do good things so that God would love me. You know, I I need to do these outward things so that I can show the world that God loves me. And, And sometimes we will do those things without actually having anything internally different. See, religion says that you can change your outside and that'll change your inside. And Christianity um, says that God will invade your heart and will change you from the inside out. See, religious activity doesn't save you. God does. He sees you and everything that he sees, and he still offers life and redemption. First Peter, for our young pros, we, we talked about this last week. First Peter 2, 23 says, when he was reviled, talking about Jesus, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, which is what we want. We want a just and good God that justifies himself by what he does for us. And we get to see just, we get to see ourselves experience him by what he's done for us. So let's pray. Father, our minds, uh, is gonna love to deconstruct what I'm gonna say and 
throw it out or not make use of it. There's even the potential that it would be received with a little bit of leeriness. And Lord, I just pray that you would wash that away. Not because I want to manipulate, not because I want anything, um, because you, you have something to say to us. So, Lord, would you soften our hearts today? That we would come to terms with the reality that you see and you still love. That you know and you still call. And that you want freedom for us. And that comes only by us trusting in your Son and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, shake us up today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Mark um, chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to start in verse 38. Um, literally have eight verses. We're going to go through um, 38 through 44. We're going to talk about two sections. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that some of what I'm going to talk about today um, is going to feel... Like, I want your money. And let me just say, um, I'm going to walk off screen for a second. I, I feel like it's really cold in here. Anybody? And if, usually, if I feel cold, um, it's cold in here. So I'm going I'm to turn this up a little bit so I, I don't. Though keeping you cold may keep you awake. So, like, I don't know. It's like a, it's a, it's a fine line. Um, and we're gonna, it's going to feel like. Man, and if, if you've not been here much, um, Reach Community Church doesn't talk about money a whole lot. We don't pass a plate on purpose. We gave you money today. I know it was only a penny, but like we're sewing into you. It really, a whole dollar and fifty was taken out and given to you. Actually, um, um, the church didn't even pay for that. Like I, I pulled that out of my own car. <laughs> not the change, but like to get the pennies from the thing. So, um no funds were used <laughs> at distributing this wealth that I just gave out. And it may be easy to think about what we're going to talk about um, through the lens of guilt and shame into getting you to throw something in that little box. And let me, let me just say that, say this at the beginning. I don't care what you give. And what you put in that box will never change God's love for you. Actually, which we'll see today, that just you putting something in that box gives you no guarantee. Nothing. Uh, our church, uh, and we talked about this, um, I think, the beginning of February. We gave away $25,000, which was 10% of our intake from last year from our general fund. We tithe off of our tithe. Um, and we are blessed here. Um, we're saving money. We paid off our property. Um, and, you know, to be truthfully honest, right now we don't need more of your money at all. And honestly, anything that you ever give to this church really has nothing to do with this church. The moment it becomes something to do with this church instead of something to do with you, then uh, we've lost what's going on. Um, so I, I'm just going to challenge you to hear me um, through the lens of I want you to understand that God is more interested in what is going on inside of you than what you do externally. So I say all that as a caveat before we get into. And I think it's beautiful, this first four verses that we're going to go into until we get into this kind of popular um, 
um, story that will make sense of why I gave you a penny here in just a minute is that he rebukes openly um, the religious leaders. And I, I will openly admit that there is tons and tons of stories over hundreds and thousands of years of religious people, religious institutions that have misused and mishandled funds. I'm going to lie about that. Um, I, I don't think that uh, Reach and the 10 years that we've been here have done that. We, we try to take value into what we have here and be good shepherds of it. But um, watch what happens first before we get into what we're going to talk about. So verse 38. And in his teaching, he says, and he's talking to people, beware of the scribes who like to walk around with long robes and they like greetings in the marketplace and they have the best seats in the synagogues and the place of honor at the feast who devour widows houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. So we talked about this last week because scribes were in the text that we were talking about last week. Scribes were like the religious lawyers of the day. They, they were masters of the law. They, they knew all the little ins and outs. They were like the, um, they were the ones that knew the word of God. And this is Jesus talking to the religious people of the day, the ones that people would look up to and kind of, not kind of, but calling them out. It's funny, in verse 40, it was talking about that they devour widows' houses. There's another section of Scripture that talks about literally taking um, money from children that was then, at that point, promised to the care of their parents. And, and, and being like, yes, yeah, oh, no, 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 that's been dedicated to the Lord, and now I, I can't help my parents. And, and this is most likely what is going on here. But for pretense, they're, they're taking advantage of people and, and robbing people of their money. And probably feel real good about themselves because of it. See, they missed. They were the ones that should know. They were the ones that should be responding correctly because they know the word the most, but they they weren't. They were like, um, if you've been reading along with the one word Bible, you, you've seen uh, several examples of Jesus going into Jerusalem, goes up to a um, olive tree, and it has no fruit on it, even though it wasn't in season, which that's a long story that I don't have time to get into it. But even when there's leaves, there should be a little bit of fruit on there, even if it's not the olive. Long story. And Jesus goes up to it and he, he curses that tree. I don't know if you've ever done that, like in an object, but like, daggone you tree. And they go into the city and they do some things and on the way out they come back and that tree who had leaves on it is like dead, dead, dead. And the disciples are walking by and they're like, Lord, like this is the tree. And Jesus was doing that as a testimony to the, the failed fruitlessness of the religious system that was there. Because this was going into Jerusalem, and they should be the ones that are producing the fruit, and, and they weren't. See, the synagogue, the Jewish church, if you would call it that, um, church is just a word that we use, but synagogue is like church, um, they were given the job of caring for the widows and the orphans. 
This was even more important in this day and age because there was no social security, there was no food stamps, and there was no other programs to assist. So if the church didn't and the families didn't support the widow, there was nothing for them. There was no, you know, I, I think we've been, I don't want to say polluted, but we've been, we've been, um, we take everything for granted that our, you know, good or bad about our government. And I'm not talking about like, you know, I don't want, I'm not getting into opinions, but our government has some good things that they're doing of taking care of people. And I know people misuse that system, but for the most part there, it's there. Some of the money that we pay in our taxes helps with those things. There wasn't that. And so when the church of the day was literally devouring widows' houses, doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing, it was trouble. See, Jesus walks away from this rebuke and sits down in the treasury court of women. So there was this section and part of the temple that had 13 brass horns, like these tubes, for collections that would go down into a treasury and people would come by and they would put their coins in this thing. Which we'll talk about in a second. So verse 41 says, And he sat down, talking about Jesus, opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Can you imagine this? Jesus sitting in the corner while people are giving their tribute, annual tribute was a half of a shekel, which we'll talk about a little bit later. This was their like, you know, their their promise to God. They they would pay these yearly, uh, and they would come in, and they would there was all kinds of giving that they would do to take care of people, and it's kind of respectable. But Jesus was sitting watching what's going on. His disciples are sitting there watching, maybe wrongly thinking, oh, he's trying to find the, the big givers. Because if he finds the big givers, then he can befriend them, and then our ministry is going to... They were still expecting Jesus to kind of take over the world, literally, um, not just spiritually what he was doing and, and building that kingdom. But he thought Jesus was building this other. So maybe they're thinking, oh, Jesus is going to find these guys that are giving big money. He's going to find them afterwards. And the... And then try to get them to give him money so that their ministry could increase, which is not what was going on. Again, that was Heath's speculation that it's extra biblical. They didn't talk about that. But I'm just looking into the minds of the disciples because they're constantly going internally, what is Jesus doing? And then sometimes they get brave enough to go, Jesus, um, like, what were you doing? When you said this, what did you mean? See, the offering boxes had brass horns. So that when you put a coin in it, it would be funneled down in the collection box. And you know what happens when you throw coins into a brass horn. It makes noise. And so when these rich people came in and throwing lots of coins in there. Look at me. For those that grew up in church. These would be the people that would intentionally put their check face up. In the offering place, and it goes by, and they're like, oh, man, Mr. Bob gave a lot of money. Oh, man, Mr. Bob's a good man. Bob's a random name. I didn't pick that for any specific reason. Love Bob, wherever you're at. Um, there he is. Um, but, you know, that, that's what would happen is like, hey, look, you know, uh, look how good I am. You know, they would be like the ones in our southern churches that were like dressed in the nice clothes, tied, you know, the little... 
with cufflinks. <laughs> Sometimes words just don't come to my brain. Uh, nice cufflinks. They have the, you know, all the little stuff. They're dressed out and they're, you're, you're looking at them going, man, if I could just be like that guy. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 1, talking about giving to the poor. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. When they were giving to the needy, and I literally said, hey, when you give here, don't let your, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, brain, shut down um, the recording system of what this hand is doing. It's saying, hey, these are things that you should do. Because, not for a reason, to earn God's love so that other people will think that you are a good person, so that you will feel like you're a good person. Verse 42 says, Then a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. See, that was the lepta, for those that uh, remember the barth that... um, moved to South Carolina to plant a house church. Uh, their church was literally na- named Lepta. Lepta was the smallest coin um, that the Roman Empire used. It was valued at one-sixty-fourths of a denarius. A denarius uh, was the average day's wage. So what you would make in a day, that would be your average income, and this coin was worth one sixty-fourth of that. See, remember when we were talking about the annual tribute, it was a half a shekel, and a half a shekel was 1.48 of a denarius. So, like, this is not even to the half a shekel, which is supposed to be given yearly. Verse 43. And he called his disciples to him and said... Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who had contributed, contributing to the offering boxes. See, Jesus was trying to help them have eyes because they didn't have eyes like he had eyes. We see that by um, Peter rebuking Jesus when Jesus says he's going to uh, die for everybody's sins and Jesus rebukes him. We, we see this when um, James and John uh, and James and John's mother, separate occasions, come to Jesus and say, hey, I want you to make my son or James and John saying, hey, can you we want to be the top of the list. We want to, you know, when you're at your ruling point, we want to be on the right or the left. Which was like the power positions right and left. They didn't have the eyes of the kingdom. And and Jesus was constantly trying to do that for him. And honestly, the reason why we encourage you to read your word, one, because you get to know God by reading the word. Two, um, God's going to show you his heart by what he shows you in his word. And this is what he's trying to do right now. He's sitting there with his disciples. He knows what's going on. He's going to teach them a lesson. And they're probably like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Now we're going to know who to decide to ask for money later. That's not what happened. He was trying to help them see through the smoke that people put out. The the mask that people wear, the the fancy clothes that people wear. uh, God doesn't look 
like we look. He, he doesn't judge like we judge. We, we misjudge all the time because we look at outward appearances. Also in First Peter, I think chapter 3, we're going to talk about that tonight at Young Pros. Um, talking about outward adornment. Like, that's not what it's about. Like, what, what you look like. I think we misrepresent God by how we judge people by how they look externally. There's a lot of people, um, for those that have seen Jesus Revolution, I do recommend. It was a great movie. Um, it's um, out of the, I think, 1960s, 68 through 72. Um, the Jesus Revolution was literally this um, kind of an outreach to hippies. Um, and, you know, churches looked at them like, man, this is this is the bad crowd. We don't want them. And, and God did a amazing work all through the nation um, through this idea that we're not going to look at people by how they look. But everyone has this longing inside of them to be known by God and to know God. To be completely honest, everything that's probably crippling you right now that you're allowing into your life that shouldn't be there I believe is an effort for you, you want you want something you want you want something to be filled inside of you and you're trying to fill it with something that never will. And to be completely honest, we're not really smart people. We will we are like a dog that returns to its vomit over and over again. We will we will hit our head on the door even though we know it's short for us and we'll hit our head again and again and again instead of just stooping down and going under. See, Jesus wants to do something here. Verse 44. It says, For they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. And there's a lot, if you read commentaries on this, some people don't like this at all. They, they think this is really stupid. And they're like, they, they would look at her thinking, because here, here's what God is esteeming, in her, and we're going to talk about this. No, I'm not asking you to go empty your bank account so you can be like the widow. At all. At all. Really, this message isn't as much about you giving as it is you allowing God into your world. And loving him so much that you want to give of your life. Period. See, they're, they're giving, they're, the rich people that threw their, 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 their gold coins in there, their giving didn't hurt them. It was probably strategic. I mean, it was, it was like buying favor. They didn't feel it at all. See, this religious system was broken. <clears throat> and we see that. That even in this broken religious system, there were still people willing to trust God with everything. I mean, this is what this woman's doing, honestly. You know, her, her giving, like, no one's going to see those two, that penny, and go, man, what are we, the church isn't sitting there going, what are we going to do with this? Like, what are we going to do with this? 
But the problem is, is what other people would just be like, ah, oh, we don't even want pennies. You ever got change and you're like, I don't even want those brown things. Like, I don't even want penny. Anybody? Yeah. Like nowadays, it's hard to even go into place. Some places won't even give you any change back. We don't have change. You've got to use plastic. There was still people willing to give God everything, to trust him. And that's what she was doing. She, she, she gave literally everything. And she was putting her trust in God, which is how we should be leaving, living. And that, and hear me again, this is not about what you give. God wants you to trust him with everything. Some of you, your issue isn't money. Some of you give faithfully to the church, but you have other things that you are not trusting God with. Things that are going on in your family, things that are going on in your health, things are internal sins that you're unwilling to trust God with and say, God, I... I I know you see it all. And I know I'm hurting myself here and I, I just need you to do something with me. See, Jesus wasn't trying to tell you to write bigger checks. Jesus was saying, hey, trust me. Be, be willing to trust me with all the things of your life, not just the things that you want to, not just the things that are convenient, not just the things that it looks like we're doing a great job. And I, I'm, I'm the, the chief of all sinners when it comes to that. Because there's aspects of me that I am so transparent about, so like, you know, I, and I want our church to be like that. And that's why I preach a lot of things up here. And I, I will say things sometimes my wife's like, yeah, you know, like. You gotta tell everything. Um, but I want you to understand that we're on the, I'm on the same journey that you are. And sometimes we can hide behind a piece of transparency and hide these other things that God wants. He wants every bit of us. If there's any part of you that you're still wrestling to control, He's gonna do everything in His power to break the grip of that control. And a lot of times, it is not nice or easy things. See, God wants every piece of you. He wants you to be excited about the reality of what you're giving to. And I, I think a lot of times, we, we just don't understand what God is even doing around us. It's like, hey, we're, we're doing our thing and we're living life and we've got this religious part of us that's, that's here and that's great. But <clears throat> the reality is this is vapor. This kingdom that you're building right now, the, the, the treasures earthly that you have right now, the house that you have right now, all of it will go away. All of it will be taken either by the government or given to a descendant. There'll be nothing here. And, and these are light and momentary things that we're going through. See, the, the kingdom that we're advocating, the kingdom that we're talking about is for eternity. And I know it's hard for us to think in our 80 to 100 year lives to think about eternity forever. But Jesus is looking at us going, hey, I want you to live like eternity is your treasure. But most of us, including me, I've talked about my Amazon issues. 
I keep thinking that little brown box is going to bring me happiness, but it has not. And it will not. I know. See, that's the, that's the door jam that I keep banging my head on of like, you know, I don't, I don't feel so great. Maybe I'll buy something. Um, and then it feels good when you buy something. Um, but the problem is it, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't fix the thing that's going on. He wants us to be excited about serving and giving. He wants us to look at, when we talk about up here, serving and, and people help us set up and people help with kids ministry and people are going to help us with ushers. He wants you to not look at go, man, the church has a need and I want to feel that need. He wants you to look at that through the lens of going, this is kingdom stuff. Like, <clears throat> let me, let me just say this. Not many people are dying to get into kids ministry. Just going to throw that out. Some of you, some of you, it is like, it's what you live and breathe. And we need some of you to show us how valuable it is. But the rest of us need to understand that not everything that we don't enjoy is not something that brings great treasure to us. Like, I think sometimes we think, man, oh, man, with kids, and like, I have kids, or my kids are past that point. Like, I'm through that phase, which I'm through that phase, I'm telling you. It is... I mean, if I never change a diaper again, like, I'm quite all right with that. But the truth is, we, we forget what these things are doing. This investment. You know, right now, while we're here, there's moms and dads that are in this room that kids are in the back, and you're grateful for that. There's people that are going to walk into our doors that they need to hear Jesus. They need to receive Jesus, they need to experience Jesus, and that's not going to happen with a fidgety kid beside them. And so not only is moms and dads going to get an opportunity to hear the gospel and maybe for a second get a breath, catch a breath, just for, I don't know about you, but like sometimes just 15, 20 minutes of like just sitting with no one asking you for anything and just listening, this is just like, and we don't, we don't realize how much of an investment that is. And, and, and ushers, never had ushers. At, I mean, I think we've one or two seasons, like Easter, we've had ushers. And um, as you see, I think we have like 185 chairs in this room. Um, the last couple of weeks, we have about 100 people in here. So there's 85 chairs, um, typically, 60 to 85 chairs that are in this room that are unoccupied. But the problem is, uh, if you come, if you've noticed this, if you've come a few minutes late, um, or like 8.05, or not 10.05, um, it looks like there's no seats because everybody sits right here and right here. So it looks like everybody's in here. Imagine the stress of trying to find a seat being eliminated because you have someone that's like, oh, you need four here or four seats. And it may not seem like a big deal. And I said this last Sunday, it is a 10-minute 12-minute volunteer. It is the least amount of time of any of our other volunteering pieces that you can jump in. And we, we need at least three more people to get to our eight so we can have two per Sunday. So if, if you're not on that list yet and you're like, man, I think I can do that because really all you got to do is like, look, there's five. <laughs> That's four. That's not five. That's four seats. <laughs> so you got to be better than me. That's four seats. Somebody needs four seats. There we go. Uh, because I, I want to pre-warn you here, we're going to do one service for Easter. We're going to bring in another 40 or 50 chairs in here, and it's going to be packed. Um, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to pre-warn you. 
um, wear deodorant that morning, um, be okay to sit beside somebody. Um, God is going to do stuff. So we're going to break our ushers in uh, the week before Easter and then Easter Sunday. It's going to be on. But see, we, I want you to be joyous about investing in the thing that goes on for eternity. See, I'm not going to lie to you either. I said this at the beginning. It wasn't for that. But I think you should faithfully give to your church. And the hardest part of that for me is I get paid by this church to do this job. So it feels like me sitting here going, hey, please give so the Cadells can eat dinner. Um, But it's really God has been so faithful for us over the last 20 some years of us catching the idea of being generous. And I honestly feel that part of the reason why financially our church is where it is because of and this is not, this seems like, because we decided to be faithful with our giving. And we have never missed a payment. We've never been short on anything. We've never had to be concerned about can we pay for the staff that we have here or can we pay rent? Never. And I don't think that's going to change. And the moment a building opens up or we start moving there, God is going to provide. 2 Corinthians verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 7. It says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's what we want. Until you're ready, like no one, no one. I don't touch any of that stuff. Um, I probably don't know anything about your giving history. I don't want to know. So I don't want you to think, man, I, he, he's looking at me. He looked at me like three times during this thing. Like, I know he knows. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I don't care. So you can be here for as long as you want until you get to that place. And if you don't ever get to that place, then we're probably not the church for you. If you don't ever get to the place of going, I want to invest in what's going on here, then we probably aren't the place. There may be bigger issues going on, but as long as you need to sit here and go, well, I'm going to find out. I want you to wait. Because I want, when you decide to invest in us, I want you to trust that what you give to us is going to be used for kingdom purpose. So here's the widow's lesson. God knows and sees your heart, good or bad. We are not going to deceive him. There's nothing hidden from him right now. He knows every single thing that's going on. Next lesson from the widow is that God evaluates differently than man. The problem is sometimes we think of God evaluating like we evaluate and we think that we're doing a good job because we do A, B, and C, which are most likely very superficial things that have nothing to do with our heart, but they're very willing for us to do. And we look at ourselves through the lens of our view of God and go, man, we're doing great. See, God evaluates differently. 
And there's people in here that are faithfully doing things that no one sees, that God is more excited about what they're doing. He's sitting in the corner looking at the widow, whatever that represents here at this church, and going, guys, look. Look at that. Look at that. Look, look what just happened here. And I'm sure those disciples are like, I didn't see anything of any significance. She just threw in a penny. Number three, God sees what man overlooks. He sees it. And maybe, potentially, you're a little like me and um, you, you need... You need someone to say you're doing a good job. You need somebody to pat you on your back. You need somebody to go, you know, esteem whatever you have done. And I want you to know that if others are missing, not praising, not acknowledging, God sees. God is celebrating with you even if every single other person is missing it. To be truthful, it's really dangerous to try to get from others what only you can get from God. And the last thing is God is the one who gives you value. If, you're, if your value equation is coming from others, people, your job, your bank account, what you drive, how you live, what neighborhood you live in, You're missing it. See, the only value that we need to know is that he values us enough that he sent his son to die horribly on the cross for us. He's communicating it over and over again. And the beauty of it is he knew exactly what you needed. He knew exactly who you were when he went to that cross. 22 or 21, however many years ago, 2,100 years ago, 2,200 years ago. Never do math when you're talking up here unless you have it written down. Never a good idea. And he knew. God isn't fixed in our timeline. God is not trapped in the third, 12th of March, 2023, and going, oh, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. God is fully aware and he still comes and calls and he still says there's hope and there's redemption in me to those that don't think that there is. So now to this penny. This is what I'm going to ask for you. And you can do this as long as you want. We, we did this other thing and talking about treasure and I, made, I bought all these little plastic treasure um, toy things, and I kept it in my car for like three years. Saw it on my speed dial every day, or my speedometer. Um, and so my challenge for you is just to, to keep this. And if you lose it, get another penny. This penny isn't, it's special, but it's not special enough that you're, you're done if you lose it. <clears throat> but to keep this for the week, just carry it around with you. Be aware of it. Because I, I want you to look at this penny and see the reality that God wants everything from you. Because this, this is what this widow did. She, she gave everything she had because in doing that, she was saying, I trust you. And what I want you to do is I want you to give everything. And I'm not talking about financially. 
Actually, I'd prefer that to be the last thing that you get to. I'd rather you say, God, I want to give you my life, every piece of it. Because I'm all in. And this is an insignificant thing that you can use as a reminder every week that God sees and gives my value. Because you look at this and you're like, this isn't valuable. You can't go and buy anything anymore for just one of these. You can't even put it into one of the machines that flattens it and does something on it without putting other coins in there. For those that know what I'm talking about. And I'm asking you just to keep this this week and just see what God is willing to do with you as you remind yourself every day that God sees my heart. He's judging differently than everyone else. He sees what others are overlooking and he is the one that says that I am valuable. And I want to invest my life in him. The story of Jesus, I'm going to invite our worship team back in or up. The story of Jesus should give us cause to celebrate over and over again. And as we get close to celebrating Easter and his resurrection, there there is no hope if there is no resurrection. Literally, it says in the New Testament that if there's no resurrection, we are to be pitied among or pitied the most. Because we've put our stock and our future in something that isn't there. But if there is a resurrection. And I don't say that like I'm questioning it. I'm just given the benefit of the doubt. But if there is a resurrection, then Jesus has shown once and for all. That he was who he said he was. And he's calling us into his kingdom. He's calling us to say, you are worth it. See, this, this life is short. And it will be filled with struggle. It will be filled with suffering. It will be filled with the unknown. And we can, we can suffer alone. We can um, be confused by what's happening. Or we can just say, God... I'm yours over and over again. Every trial, every tribulation, we can pull that penny out and say, God, you valued me. You see, the only person that I want to please is you. Don't, don't spend your life trying to make me think well of you. Me, he. And I will try to do the same with you guys. Not spend my life trying to get you to think well of me. Now, does that mean that we don't give everything of our life, that we don't strive um, to be what we say we are? No. It just means that we put our trust in him. Jesus wants everything of you because when you give him everything, life starts making more sense. It won't be easier. Suffering won't be eliminated But it changes your perspective of all those things. When you know that you get eternity with him. That I want to invest in something that's going to be past this moment. So I don't know what that means for you today. I don't I don't know what you're holding back. I don't know what you're unwilling to reveal and lay open before the Lord. But he does. 
He's not afraid of it. He isn't going, man, I can't work with that or I can't do anything with that or that's too far gone. He's just saying, hey, trust me. Come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lay down that yoke that hasn't worked and put on his. It was made for you. That is light and easy. Because he wants you. All of you. Not a piece of you. Not some of you. He wants all of you. Let's pray. Father, we wrestle with things that are messing up our life. And mostly because we wrestle with them alone. And so this morning, I just pray that you would allow us to acknowledge that you see and invite you into the mess. Lord, we can't fix what's going on. Many of us in this room have attempted over and over and over and over and over and over again to fix the thing that we know is wrong with us. But most of the time we miss the key element of inviting you into that. And so, Lord, that's what we do this morning. We want to be people that are all in. We want to be people that are willing to sow and invest our life in you. So whatever is in the way, fix it. Whatever thing is causing us issue, Lord, expose it for what it is. And Lord, we just ask you to be the king that you came here to be, to be the Lord that you came here to be in our lives. Lord, I, I pray against this religious spirit that would say, just do all the external things so people think. And Lord, I pray that you would humble us to be people that want to live out of the inside. Would you change our heart? Would you remove that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, like Ezekiel said, so that we can be your children, so that we can walk in your Lord, we just submit and surrender to you in all things. Would you this week remind us of this little insignificant penny? How much value that we have in you. How much you see and have hope for us. And let us shape our identity based on who you say we are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.